0: Welcome to the Mother of All Movement podcast with me, Catherine Meadows. I'm a Pilates teacher specialising in postnatal recovery and a mum to two kids myself. The aim of this podcast is to inspire and inform mothers of any stage and to chat about the trials and tribulations of moving your body after having kids. I'll be speaking to women who are coaches, instructors, therapists, athletes, and adventurers who all work with mothers in some way and happen to be mothers themselves. This isn't about perfection, standards or achieving. This is a conversation about how to make the best of the rest of our lives through a nourishing relationship with our bodies and minds. I want to talk about what these women do, how they integrate it into their family lives and essentially why. So join me each week to hear these wonderful women talk about their journey. Hi, everyone. This in this week's podcast we are joined by Addie Mann, who is lives at the moment in Yorkshire, and she was recommended to me by Joe Mosley, who you might remember from episode four of the podcast so right at the beginning and Jo loves following uh adventurous women who are doing amazing exciting inspiring things and she contacted me to say oh, you have to interview Addie. she's um, doing all sorts of brilliant adventures and you need to hear all about it so I uh, went on the Team AA website and um I was amazed to discover everything that Addie and her daughter are getting up to so I really wanted to hear a little bit more so welcome to the podcast Abby thanks so much for joining us
1: oh it's a pleasure thank so, you for inviting me no problem
0: so could you introduce yourself your sort of family
1: where, like where you are
0: and what you do please
1: <laughs> so my name is Addie. Uh, It's the short for Antigone, which is an ancient Greek name. It's um, the name of of a lady who apparently dies for her beliefs. Uh, Uh So it's a very powerful name. Uh, If there's anything at all to a name, I I have lots of expectations to live up to (laughs) and, and to make sure that I'm courageous and hopefully I don't die as young as she did. No. no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a lovely daughter uh, who is my moose and uh, who inspires me to be a better person and who makes life definitely a happier place. Her name is Athena and she's uh, 10 and a half and I named her Athena after the goddess of wisdom and the city I was born and I thought once again if there's anything to name I hope that in her life she's wise and that she's fair And uh, that she's clever. Um, We also have a small dog, Shadow, uh, who is a working dog. She comes to the University of Leeds every day with me. And she spends her time underneath my desk. And at lunchtime, she goes on well-being activities with the students and the members of staff at the university. And we also have a goldfish called Wanda after the film, a <laughs> fish called
0: <wonder. laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And so you, you mentioned that you work at the University of Leeds. So what do you do? Yes.
1: Uh, I work in the management team in the School of History, but I've, I've uh, found a little gap in the market uh, because the university is a place where incredible ideas thrive and people with, with creativity, they can create lots of things. So I created lots of well-being activities and a program. And, and so I'm, I'm the person that encourages others to do a little bit more with their lunch breaks at uni and to get a little bit more active and to invest in their mental well-being and their happiness levels Um, and when I'm not doing that I'm also one of uh, Britain's um, crazy female adventurers that Mm -hmm. explore canals on interesting vessels with Athena (laughs) and I do my fair share of extreme endurance as well. Gosh, and you certainly do. Looking at your um,
0: at your sort of profile on your website, so um, maybe we'll start with um, your um, your sort of movement, exercise, sporting life. Um, have you always been sporty and into sort of exercise? Since when you were, did you, did you grow up in Greece?
1: Um, I grew up in many parts of the world. Um, I was born in Athens, uh, but like most Greeks, we have um, summer homes uh, in in places by the sea because Athens can get very hot in the summer. Mm. So I spend most of my childhood uh, up to the age of 10. Uh, literally by the sea because that's where our summer home was so um, I was very blessed I suppose to have been born in the 80s in in places like the Mediterranean because children back then were encouraged to actually not sit at home and to go outside and play with the other kids and to uh, climb trees and to cycle and to you know be swimming uh, there wasn't much parent supervision. We were allowed to just be wild and free, and I remember returning home just whenever I was hungry, and that was okay because if, if we were hungry, we'd sit together or eat. It was a big feast. It, it didn't matter if it was dinner or if it was lunch. We'll have a siesta, and then when it wasn't too hot again, we were encouraged to just go outside and play. Um, yeah, so. I remember as a very happy childhood. Uh, and I remember that I, I especially enjoyed, uh, you know, cycling on my bike without any brakes and, and the feeling of, of the breeze from the sea. Mm. And I love being in the water. Um, we were very lucky that we had a fisherman living next door. And if I was up very early in the morning, maybe at five or six, uh, he was uh, very happy to take us children on his boat and show us how to fish. And he made us our first fishing cane out of bamboo. And and all the neighbours and other people seemed to be very nice and very much part of, of everybody's family. Um, so that was up to the age of 10. Oh, sounds absolutely um, idyllic. <laughs> It was, and and the games we would come up with, I remember I I used to, um, uh, I was fascinated with building a house on a tree which never really materialized and is still in my to-do list with <laughs> Athena one day. <laughs> but we haven't got a tree. <laughs> um, and and I remember I was obsessed with it. And and the best it got at some point was that I, 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 I stuck a few planks on the tree. I dug a massive hole underneath it in case intruders were trying to climb on it. Uh. I covered it with leaves, hoping that they would fall in. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually... Um, Always covered in mud, uh, bruises, cuts. Uh, once I returned with a split chin because I fell off a cemented wall. Um, I broke a tooth playing chase with the boys. Um, I, I I was always bruised. So I still have permanent scars on my knees and my legs, Um because I enjoyed so much being outside and, and we had options. If it was a windy day, it meant that um, there will be a lot more jellyfish on uh, at the seashore. So we would try to stay out of the water because it really did sting. I would come out and I would be covered in red slashes from the mm. tentacles that broke. Uh, so uh, that would be the day the way we would do a lot more cycling on our Dutch bikes. Um, if it was a good day, we would just spend it sitting inside the water in the seaside all day, and we would play hairdressers and cover each other with mud, pretending it's shampoo. Um, <laughs> we would have handstand competitions. We would try to dive underneath the waves. Um, it was a really good childhood. And then uh, my family moved to Thailand because of um, work. Wow. And, and that was a big shock for me because... Uh, Thailand was very different to Greece, and I didn't speak the language, and I didn't have any friends there and I didn't. Uh, I didn't fit in initially. Um, so that was a big cultural shock. Um, and, and that's when I started developing anorexia and bulimia because it was probably the only thing I felt I could control Mm. but it's also worth mentioning there that I've I've always been very sporty not just outdoorsy and adventurous but I I swam in in my local team and I raced uh, and I swam from Monday to Saturday two and a half hours a day so when I moved to Thailand and I stopped racing and I stopped swimming and and that was a lot of hours weekly that I had stopped doing my swimming uh, my body started changing and I started putting on weight and and as a teenager um, I think you're more sensitive to these things and and the comments people make and in Thailand everybody was very slim Mm. so I could see that I was different biologically that I wasn't the same as them and and I had become fixated with trying to be very skinny and try to fit in in a place where I felt a little bit left out. Um, so I remember the first years in Thailand were very difficult um, and on, so on were the bright you in, side. Were you in Bangkok or were you out of the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was in Bangkok, yes. I, I did travel a lot uh, within Thailand. Um, because my family was in the travel business uh, so I, I actually had my first job ever as a tour guide ah. <laughs> and, and my job was to show around people and I think that was my first lesson on, on communication and negotiating with people and, and, and realizing that actually strangers are very nice people and you know the world is full of nice strangers everywhere. So I travel extensively in Thailand and other countries around Thailand as well. Um, Uh There was a triangle, so you 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 usually take the uh, tourists to Laos and Vietnam, sometimes to Singapore and Malaysia. So so I I did quite a lot of traveling for a teenage girl.
0: Yeah,
1: and it it was um, it was probably my biggest um, education. To that point, because I did live in a little bubble up to that point. I, I went to a private school in Greece, and it was a Christian school, and we lived in a nice neighborhood. So to move from there to Thailand and live by the canal, by the river, and, and see the buffaloes with the children riding on top of them, uh, it was it was very different to what I was used to, but it was very important to see that as well. Yeah. Um so Thailand was amazing in terms of nature and and the lessons that one learns about being humble and being appreciative about life. Because having worked there as a tour guide gave me an opportunity to see that people in very poor areas uh, were always very excited to see uh, a little white girl. And, and I remember they were not shy at all. They would come up to me and they would touch my nose because I had a bone and they didn't. And they would try to touch my skin and stroke here because of the- I was white and, and they were very welcoming and very happy, no matter how little they had, they were the happiest people. Mm. And and it, it kind of without realizing at the time, it, it made me realize that um you could have very little and still be a very happy person. And that life is a gift and that you make the most of what you have at that point because I, I saw it in these people. Um, um yeah, that sounds an amazing remember. combination really. for
0: childhood, and and especially in those teenage years to get that uh, life understanding, you know, a little bit more sort of um, a connection with the sort of diversity of life as well. That must be um, must have been a real education, like you say.
1: Yeah, I would open my my window in the morning to let the light in, and and I could see the uh, the canal next to us, and it, opposite that it was the right. And there were little toddlers, maybe five, six, seven years old. And they were all sitting on these huge beasts with the big horns, uh, the rice buffaloes, but they were harmless. And they were riding them like cowboys. <laughs> and and it was amazing to see that if, if this creature wanted to kill this child, they could do that in no time. But obviously they didn't have the capacity or the brains to do that. And the children were so happy. They they all they had was just a little pair of shorts and 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 they had sticks smacking each other like warriors. It was amazing to see that. And and I remember my family always shouting, shut the back door in case the um, The big lizards swam out the rivers (laughs) uh, because they were huge, those lizards. And they would come uh, out the water and they would sunbathe in the sunshine in the back garden. But there was the odd occasion that we found one of them in the living room. So the experience really connected me with nature and, and to become immune and used to cockroaches and grasshoppers and buffaloes and massive lizards and snakes and all those things become part of your day-to-day thing and you just learn to check your shoes in case there's a centipede inside of it before you put (laughs) it on and you learn to shut the doors uh, at night time for the massive mosquitoes and and to switch off the lights and and you just cope but you're constantly if you live outdoors like we did on that survivor mode but it becomes second nature to you Uh, it really was a fantastic education
0: that's incredible. And and did, did your family then move on, or was this then you after after you got your first job? We was it, were you uh, then um, independent?
1: Well, I, I've always been a free spirit. So <laughs> at the age of 18, I decided I was going to write a letter to my family and say that I am leaving. I am going to Spain to explore the world with 80 pounds. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh and 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 that's what i did uh however that said uh i i had bought an airline ticket and my godparents are spanish so they they lived in spain so i wasn't totally homeless and an orphan (laughs) (laughs) but it it was still a a brave thing to do and 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 to make sure that my family didn't try to convince me not to i thought i won't tell them so i literally just uh, turned 18 and wrote them a letter and i thought right. I'm an adult now, I am officially ready to explore the world. And, and I thought Spain had to be the next destination. Um, and
0: why Spain? Oh, because you're godparents, so you you had somewhere yes. to head towards. Yes. And so what did you do in Spain?
1: Um, well, I, I continued with my education and I, I lived with my godparents for a while. Um, and then, uh, much to my own disbelief, um, it's is shocking because you just get um, a bit dragged into that consumistic world and and, and and living in a city and and I couldn't believe it but soon after, I I became a city girl. (laughs) I I started working for um, uh, the ex-minister of foreign affairs um, and then I was headhunted by a media agency. So I worked with them and I was flying out to Barcelona and uh, to Paris, organizing events. um, And and I suppose to, to many people that would have been the dream job and the dream lifestyle. But I, I felt there was something missing, and I was—I couldn't explain what was missing and, and why I wasn't feeling uh, satisfied with that. And and and, and it's—it only worked out years later that it clicked in my head, and now I'm able to see that it was actually the nature, the nature and the adventures and and being outside that was missing. Mm. Um, the stilettos and the meetings and all that mm-hmm. just wasn't for me. I—it just wasn't ticking the boxes and so um, and and at this point, were you still uh struggling with the anorexia. No, no, that that was um, going back. uh, That was uh, very soon uh, repaired. I think uh, it was two years that I was struggling just being a pair of bones and and then eating excessively and not wanting to go outside because I was feeling very self-conscious. And then again, being anorexic. uh, I saw a doctor and and a doctor, um, instead of trying to convince me to eat and telling me I'm anorexic, he actually said, listen, if you carry on like, like you do now, Um, you will never be able to have children when you're older and it was at that moment and that comment that made me think oh no that will be awful because I always wanted to have a child and I always wanted to be a mum, and and that just got me back to eating and and it gave me a focus and 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 from there you know taking one step at a time I realized uh, no, I have to eat and I have to be healthy and look after my body because I, I one day want to be a mom. Mm. So it lasted about two years. But it's incredible how one sentence can be so powerful and how people can just plant a little seed in your mind. And and that's probably the best attitude to help someone who's got anorexia instead of telling them and forcing them to eat or shouting at them.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um- Okay, so now uh, at the moment you're in Spain and living, living the life and wondering what's coming next. So what did come next for you?
1: Ah, uh, so next um, that that dragged a little. <laughs> and, uh, and next I, I became a mom when I was twenty eight. and that just uh, was a truly life-changing experience because um, I had an emergency c-section because both Athena and I were were struggling. and it was unfortunately down to medical negligence and, and no availability of beds and it was a, it was a medical practice university type of hospital Madrid. And so they they didn't make a few good calls when they had to. As a result, um, yeah, Athena and I had a difficult time at that point and then there was more errors when they did cut me open. Her nose was parted in half. Um, So uh, that was pretty awful, and and I never heard her cry either. You know, you do all those prenatal lessons about when your baby comes out and you put them to your chest and you hear them cry. Uh, Nothing went like that, which is uh, an important lesson here that you can prepare for all you want in life regardless of situation, but you can never predict what's going to happen and you can never be fully prepared for all the scenarios. And the scenario was that Athena was practically dead and she needed reanimation. Her nose was parted in half Um. and we had to stay in hospital for a week, uh, Athena in an incubator, and and they never really put her to my chest i never heard her cry and and i only met her about 24 hours later oh. and and it was a terrible experience and for me that was a a turning point of of you need to start living life and you need to start seeing you know like what what is it that that matters and and what are you compromising for um but but athena's birth was um yeah, it was truly a shocking experience. Um, because of that, um, she, she she had for a very long time breathing issues, um, mm-hmm. problems, and she was also born asthmatic. So I spent a good four years of her life in hospitals, in and out, um, terrible nights of, of her not breathing, her lips going purple. I, I remember I spent a lot more of my nights in hospitals than I did sleeping. Um and, and so it was one of the doctors again, um, an Argentinian doctor who said to me in Spain that listen, you need to teach your daughter your love for swimming, because when you swim your your lungs expand mm-hmm. and you will be doing her a great favor in 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 being able to breathe better because in, any virus or any cold would just trigger her asthma and she will struggle with breathing. Mm-hmm. So he, he he said to me, why don't you consider, you know, building building the lungs? And and you obviously have a background and you like swimming and you have the sea next door, you know, um let's let's start working on that. So I taught Athena how to swim and he then went on to Athena how to cycle and and we just got really creative with, with sports and I obviously didn't expect that Athena will be able to keep up the pace swimming next to me or cycling. Or running but I knew that all those sports were giving her the opportunity to breathe better and to to be healthier and um, as, as someone who had suffered with with uh, not appreciating my body I I wanted to rewrite history and I wanted for Athena to realize that our bodies are incredible and our bodies cannot only overcome asthma and breathing issues and 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 Um, being upset and being distressed and being stressed and all of those things that come with it but uh, they they are just if you treat them nice like you can do a lot more than you think and and so Athena not only learned how to breathe better but um, she, she has now completely overcome asthma she's not taken a pump in in five or six years Wow! and on top of that she loves sports and it's something that we can actually do together Um, So what's fantastic about all this is that um, you take one, let's say, uh, difficult experience um, and and you turn it into something positive and something amazing that you, you can base your life on. And um, so soon we discovered that actually um, it, it's it's no longer about trying to breathe because Athena's lungs are, are now perfectly well and, and they're working. And she's she's shown that she's a, a real fighter and that she had a passion for life and, and not just for life, but for, for sports and for the world that surrounds her and everything. Um, so we started coming up with creative ways of how we could exercise together, but we mm. could both get the same kind of adrenaline rush, if you like. Mm. So it's 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 not uh, unlikely to to see us down on Leeds Liverpool Canal. Uh, I'll be on the slalom um, kayak vessel and and I'll be paddling at full speed while Athena is racing next to me on on her little bike and we have a family dog running along as well and and there's lots of people that are walking on the canal and they look at us and they say that's a good idea maybe we should do that Uh, and it's fantastic to think that not only are we having fun exercising together but actually other people are watching and who knows maybe they're recreating it Mm, yeah
0: definitely I mean I think sometimes when you uh, when you see something with other people, you think, oh, I never thought of doing it like that. Or "Or I reckon you could, to your child, I reckon you could cycle while I run or I reckon we <laughs> could take the dog along with us while we go and do some sort of off-road adventure or something like that. And it just reminds you that something's possible, yeah. right? It
1: is. It just takes a little bit of creativity. That's why I always highlight to people that um, you you just need to get a little bit creative. And if it's not on on a slalom uh, kayak, well, Athena could be cycling and I could be running with her somewhere in the Yorkshire Dales. Mm. Or um, sometimes we could both be cycling and and the dog sits in a little basket at the back of the bike uh, (laughs) instead of running. Uh, The world is your oyster, you just have to get creative with your thinking and not to worry about is this right, is it wrong? Um uh,
0: and uh, so your adventures, like you say, you've got you got very creative. So um I mean the first one that's obviously the the sort of the standout one from that you started off with was the Pirates of the canal. So do you want to explain a little bit more about what that is was?
1: Yeah absolutely. Uh, so Um, Athena comes to a lot of lectures at the University of Leeds, and she actually sits on a lot of committees as well whenever I haven't got childcare. (laughs) And one of the uh, lectures that I I invited her to come along with me was by um, the famous guy Michael Sean Conway. Uh, He's a legendary endurance adventurer a very nice guy and an extremely creative with what he does and and that was actually the first lecture we we went to see together just downstairs from my office and I remember sitting there and thinking wow this this guy I, I can really relate to what he's saying obviously I've not done the stuff he's he's done but I can see the reasoning behind it and he makes perfect sense and, and it also made me realize there's a thing called adventure. For me, it was just being outside, having fun and being silly. I, I didn't realize, you know, you can make a profession <laughs> or a hobby. <laughs> <as of it. laughs> um, Athena was there as well. And she was sitting next to me. And what I usually do at lectures is I give her a piece of paper so that she can draw. And, and then I'm always interested to see what her notes and what her pictures say, because that really reflects of what she's taken in. And she had drawn jellyfish and and bits of what he had said. Uh, for example, one of it said, would you like me to chop off her, your toe? Oh. <laughs> it was when Sean almost <laughs> had a crossbite. <laughs> and she really enjoyed that bit to the point that she wrote it down. Now, at the end of that lecture, Sean said that every year he gives a, a scholarship to people who come up with a creative idea but haven't got the finances to create a dream adventure. And that anybody interested should apply. So, so I did. Uh, it was about 10 minutes before the deadline. Uh, I remember Athena and I sat down together and I said, you know, if, if we could do anything, and, and I suggested a few things, what would you like to do? And, and we kind of put all the crazy ideas all in one. And, and then I said, why don't we draw a sketch as well? And, and Athena, and I still have the sketch. In fact, I'll pull it in front of me so I can describe it to you because mm. uh, I, I love it. So it's a sketch that says Team AA uh, for Athena and Adi, and it's called Pirates of the Canals, and she drew a little boat. Uh, there's water. There's a jellyfish underneath it. There's a tent on the side of the boat, and it's a, And she's written on it, pop-up tent with mm. an arrow. <laughs> she, she's drawn a big flag that covers half the page and a pirate scowl. And, and then there's her teddy bear on the side of it. There's a happy little girl in a triangle dress and, and then a happy mummy with a bigger paddle. So we submit our application with that picture. <laughs> and- amazing. And to our surprise, uh, Sean loved the plan. The plan was to, to paddle 130 kilometers, I think, um, across uh, UK's longest canal, which was leeds Liverpool Canal, because it's conveniently located next door to us as well. Uh-huh. And we were going to uh, use a blow-up boat and just paddle that and camp along the way. Um, so Sean phoned us a couple of months later and he said that we had won his adventure scholarship and he was going to help us buy the material, which was fantastic. And it was in August 2016 that we set off from Liverpool. Um, heading towards Leeds because someone told me that if I leave from Liverpool, the wind is going to be kind to us. Uh-huh. But it turns out they were wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the first day, the wind was blowing us back to Liverpool at uh-huh. 30 miles per hour, uh-huh. and I was cursing the person <laughs> that uh-huh. told me to leave from Liverpool. <laughs> um, but it was amazing. We, we named their blow-up boat, Boating McBoatface, after the uh, on social media people had oh, yeah. voted the name for a different vessel and it wasn't picked. And I thought, but that's a fantastic name. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm keeping it. <laughs> uh, and boating made us proud. Um, despite being a blowout boat, we, we managed to get to Leeds and we only had one puncture along the way. And, and I remember it was at the five locks in Bingley because we wanted to get out and get ice cream and we didn't see the rusting nail on the side of the oh, wall. No, just, we never got the ice cream. cream. <laughs> we never got the ice cream. But uh it was incredible because it was the very first time uh both Athena and I had ever fixed a puncture on a blow-up boat. Mm. And Athena was so proud because I, I we went through the manual and it said just place a sticker on a dry area and then just pump the air back in and and you know, wait. And and, and Athena took responsibility and and she she was part of the repair team, and, and that was a great lesson for her, that actually, you know, things don't have to end when when things go wrong. You know, there is going to be a way around it. Um, but before that, there was, of course, the moments of panic, of quick, we have to evacuate, you get out first, I'll be throwing the bags out, you catch them in the air.
0: Because you <laughs> just thought it like, was, it was going good. to
1: collapse in an instant, Yes. But there were so many lessons in that adventure, Catherine. It was just amazing because um, we had rain nonstop uh, Mm. from the seven days that we paddled, I think at least four days. We had really bad rain. Um, And and sometimes I did wonder if there was more water in the actual boat (laughs) than in the canal. I think I was on duty to just scoop out and throw the water while I tried to make the distance. Uh, And I remember on one occasion, there was a narrow boat that went past us. And and the man kindly shouted to his wife, uh, in a funny way, of course. He shouted, Mary, look what I found, two drowning rats. to us. (laughs) And and he shirts and he says, Would you like to come on board for a hot drink? Uh, which which sounded like music to my ears at that point. And, and we did, and it was the first time we've ever been on a narrow boat. Uh, and there he was, like a stranger inviting us on, on the boat. And the minute we stepped in, I was really conscious about, oh, we're going to soak all his beautiful wooden narrow boat. <laughs> but but he didn't mind. And his wife came out with a tea towel. And one of my most humbling moments was to actually see her kneel. And she was a pretty aged lady, kneel in front of Athena so that her head could be on Athena's height. And she wiped her hands dry. And it was such a beautiful moment. And... You, you think to yourself, wow, this is what happens when you go out, you meet extraordinary people, mm. everyday heroes that nobody sees and nobody gets the, the chance to to meet. Mm. Uh, and and one thing led to the other. They tied the boat on the back of their narrowboat and they towed us for a couple of bridges they, they served us hot drinks. They showed us their family albums and how they made their own narrow boats from scratch. Oh. Uh, they were amazing people. They gave us a tour of where they sleep and where the toilet is and how they live. Uh, and, and those lessons are just incredible because what these people don't realize is that as a parent, having met them, they, they helped me teach Athena that the world is a very good place and and that you need to trust people around you and that there's a lot of kindness mm. and, and and they didn't I don't think they, they truly realize how important meeting them had been how
0: wonderful it just it shows you know you weren't with them for very long but they had an enormous effect on you and your understanding of what that what that really deeply meant to the the experience that athena you and athena had um it's so wonderful when complete strangers get get to do get the chance to do something very ordinary but it it feels very extraordinary for the people who are receiving it
1: absolutely in fact i just remembered he um ken suddenly said uh, wait here for a second and he returned with a big accordion and he started playing music oh, wow. <laughs> while his wife started singing oh wow <laughs> uh, it, it was as if they had been expecting us it, it's almost <laughs> as if the party was there ready to start they're just missing their guests oh, <laughs> it was unbelievable <laughs> and because they were so extraordinary and i like to Oh, as you cut out again. Um maybe a mark with a with a homemade cake so that we could continue the singing and the dancing on the boat and, and it was so nice to see them again. Uh that's that's
0: uh that's wonderful. Um as you cut out again. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. All right. Um all right, that's fine. We'll keep on going. Um Okay, so so I just checked your website, and actually, your trip was one hundred and thirty miles, so two hundred and ten kilometers. Oh. That really is an, a a very long way, and in continuous rain and all the rest of it. How did you, um, you know, how, did Athena was she paddling for a lot of it? Was she? I mean, you said she was scooping out at the water as well, but yeah. you know, so I, I think, uh, you, and she was at this time six, seven.
1: Uh, she was um yeah seven years old i mean i think of um, my daughter yeah, well... now who's a slight,
0: slightly older than her <laughs> and my my son's slightly younger than her and i can barely take them for an hour's walk without whining and needing uh, <laughs> snacks and the rest of it. so um, how, um is that just the preparation that you've done that she was uh you know well used to going off on little trips with you and things she had a good understanding of what was required how how did you prep her for that
1: Well, um... So when Athena was little, I had lots of creative ideas on our workouts. Some included um, Athena, for example, sitting in a pram and me weighing my rollerblades and and thinking that I'll be a lot faster if I rollerblade and push the pram than if I walk. That was one. I I had a bicycle. So we gradually progressed from there to Athena sitting at the back of my bike and me uh, riding the bike everywhere with Athena behind me and asking her, do you want me to go faster on the downhills and faster than this? And, And she would go, yes mommy and more and more so speed adrenaline being outside uh doing things that she could clearly see that nobody else is doing uh but it's it's a mommy and daughter thing to her became a norm and i've often highlighted it's important to understand uh, there is no such thing as normal because uh, what's normal to me, it's not normal to other people. And what's normal to Athena about what mothers and daughters do together is obviously not what every mother and daughter does. But to Athena, that became a reality. Um, yeah, mommy does go fast on the hills and we lift our hands and, you know, we feel the wind. Uh, on one occasion, uh, before the Ironman that I, I did, I remember I I had to uh, incorporate some upper body training and childcare has always been an issue, obviously, (laughs) being on my own and with my family living in Spain. Mm. Um, So uh, there's only so many times you can ask your friends to babysit for you and, and I feel uncomfortable asking. People, So that I can get a workout. And in an ideal world, I wanted to be Athena with me while I do the workouts, not physically doing it, but, you know, like being there. So when I turn my head, I can see her and I can smile at her and she can give me a thumbs up. And so I I came up with um, swimming in lakes and towing Athena in a kayak. So I would put Athena in a kayak with all her toys and her packed lunch. I would tie a rope around my waist and the boat and I would tow that (laughs) around the lakes. And I could do that for hours. I think once I, I did it for four or five hours, uh now the key there was communication so while i swam i couldn't communicate with the thing and hear her so i made her a cone with a piece of paper and i said to her now if you need to speak to mommy you need to shout through the cone and tell her <laughs> <laughs> so there we would be and she would go mommy i need to go to the toilet so we would stop she'll go to the toilet she'll jump back in we'll have a quick catch-up how she's feeling if she's enjoying herself she had a pillow to lie down and she She wanted to nap. Um, It was brilliant. And people who will be like perhaps kayaking on the lake, they'll be asking each other, what's this woman doing? (laughs) <laughs> and I remember a friend saying, someone asked, I said, what did you say? So, oh, that's just Adi. She's just, you know, doing her workout with her daughter. <laughs> uh, but Athena was so into it and she understood um, that this is supposed to be fun. And she also understood what what the importance of what I was doing for, that this was part of my own workout of trying to get strong for a race. So she would use the cone and she, I could hear her say, mommy, arm higher
0: (laughs) so she's become the arm was
1: dropping gradually and she would try to coach me and and telling me that i have to put my hand higher go faster go slower turn or i'm I'm diverting so it it was hilarious now this is a fine example of to us that's normal (laughs) to us it's perfectly normal that i swim and she sits in a kayak and i'm pulling her um so the Little little Canal was, was no different to any other thing that we've done before. Mm. It was just another fun adventure that we actually sat down and thought about together. Um, we, we didn't think it through completely because it kills the adventure and it kills the fun. You can't micromanage every detail to it. And, and we realized that 130 miles, like you say, not mm. kilometers, mm. Is, is a big distance. Mm. But what I've always done with endurance races is I've always broken it down in small manageable chunks. So in my head, we were going to do, I, I can't think now of the, the number, but X, Y, Z distance every day. And mm. as long as we pretty much stuck to that, it was doable. And, and I knew that I could paddle until my arms dropped from morning until night, because I love endurance. I was also aware that Athena wasn't going to do much. Um, and and I had no expectations of her doing it, but I, I wanted her to be there. I wanted her to experience it, to see it. I wanted her to try it. And I wanted her to be there at the finish line and to feel that she was an essential part of why this succeeded. Um, But I also understood that, you know, the power lies with with me and and I'm the one who's going to have to do all the work. So the night, uh, not the night, the afternoon before we started from Liverpool, I remember we were sitting at uh, BBC Radio uh, for an interview and the nice lady called Helen, who was interviewing me, one of the questions was, how did you get into paddling? And I vividly remember saying to her, well, I I haven't, as in yet, uh, I've not done this before, but I'm sure that from tomorrow I will get into it (laughs) because I have to get deliverable. (laughs) And she was laughing. She says, are you telling me you don't paddle? I said, not yet, but we will learn because we've got a long way to go and plenty to practice on. And and this is how I see the world, that you give it a go, you practice uh, whatever you can. Make it fun. Make it fun is the key. I knew this was going to be bonkers and fun. Um, the people walking across the canal thought this was insanity, but they were so entertained. And and seeing how happy they were, and 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 how happy Athena was. She was, she was just amazed at the swans coming next to us, at the. Um, of voles swimming she asked me to rescue one because she thought he was drowning uh the dogs jumping in the canal trying to save us or, or curious to see what the squeaky yellow boat was about she loved that connection with the animals and 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 she was taking her very big first lesson on you you're talking to people and you're sharing a part of your life and what you do and that that is okay to do you, you, you're not on your own you're not an island we, we we all somehow are part of other people's lives even if we will never find out um
0: and uh, and your adventures have continued with each other i mean you've also done you've you've kayaked across uh Bala lake
1: in Wales have have you done the other two lakes yet as well uh, um we, we did yeah that's part of the three lakes challenge so we did Wales uh we did Windermere and there's one left the biggest one in Scotland uh, but there's no escape out of it if you get it wrong so uh, I'm I'm saving that for spring or summer when the weather gets well because actually it was thanks to our love for the uh, Pirates of the Canal journey um that that we we decided we actually love paddling and we love being near uh, and and looking into it actually there's there's um there's a lot more to be said about the wellness that comes from being close to water or on water mm. so I do try to use that as as part of our happy family moments to to create activities around water um so we still have quite a few lakes and and rivers and canals to paddle
0: <laughs> lots and lots to go um and Pirates of the Canal turned into Pirates a a double episode a, a sequel um so in uh 2017 you hit it again so what happened in the second time
1: so of course the, the the media is a demanding place isn't it because once you do something they they ask you can you now do something bigger and better <laughs> and crazier and there's nothing i love more than the challenge so i said to athena you know like uh, you know would you like to do something else but what people don't realize is you can't force inspiration you can't um, sit down and say, today I will think of the plan and it will come to me. Things just come to you when you're sensitive in your environment around you. And and the problem with me is I shouldn't watch the tele or films because anything I see there in my head, it can become a reality. And I remember I came across uh, the Contiki book um, and and I read the book and I was blown away. It's, it's about a raft crossing the Pacific. Pacific to prove the theory about uh, tribes and civilizations moving across the Pacific in the ancient times, based mm. on on rafts only, and and then I bought the DVD because I thought right, now I need to see the film. And seeing the film, it was just incredible. And it's all based on a true story as well, a Norwegian explorer. And it was at that moment that I said to Athena, Would you like to build a raft? <laughs> <laughs> and Athena, of course, said, Yeah, how are of we going to build she did? it? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, it was just uh, obviously you sell it to kids in a different way, right? Like, Oh, we're going to go to another magic adventure, we're going to be floating on a raft, it's going to be amazing. Would mm-hmm. you like to be part of it? And she, she, she's the um, logical part of, of my brain and the sensible adult in our little home. So she asked, uh, "Mummy, what are we going to make it of? Um, and, and I said, you know, I've got the idea now. I'll just have to think of how and who and what. And, and gradually with time, the, the ideas came together and I I decided the best way to make a raft was to create some kind of positive environmental impact as well, to try to link that. So I approached my workplace and I told them, I'm building a raft and I'm going to pick a different canal. and We're going to make another fabulous mother-daughter adventure. And could they give me the equipment? And they put me in touch with the recycling Uh, company that collects the desks and the offices and all the waste from the university. Uh, So Athena and I went there one afternoon and we looked around and anything we liked we could take. So we took broken chairs and broken tables and we took um, a broomstick and a torn graduation gown and we took all the things that we thought we could use to make a raft and then we went to... um, uh, construction site and we asked them to give us water pipes because in my head the water pipes will hold the raft afloat okay. and and the guys um, they were very entertained they couldn't believe it they said you know we, we get uh, people come here to ask things all the time but they never asked us for water pipes to build a raft before <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and they said where are you parked and long before I knew knew the car was stocked up full of pipes and everything that i needed and and yeah the guys were great i see help from some very good friends um who had a farm in the middle of nowhere in york and we stayed for about a week or 10 days um in the farm trying to build a raft but there was quite a few engineers involved in the project as well um <laughs> and and then this fabulous uh Contiki-style raft was born um, and and we decided to take it across Lancaster Canal, starting at Preston, because it's the only canal that hasn't got any locks or bridges. It weighed a Uh, lot. It was very heavy. And you you couldn't negotiate the locks.
0: Yes, because the Leeds-Liverpool one, you had to get out a 100 yes. times or something didn't you for all of the locks yes. and carry the boat and all of that so right so lancaster no locks that's a good good to know no locks
1: so it was yeah. a key uh so our, our raft looked very stylish it had a broomstick as a must um and i i turned the old bed sheet at home with the graduation gown into a sail with my sewing machine so that was there the symbol the emblem um we used some of the old chairs to tie our our luggage on because we were camping along the way um it was fantastic i vividly remember there was a guy who was 80 plus years old and he was walking on the side of the canal and he was tearful and he was saying i have never seen anything as exciting as this on lancaster canal oh. uh, And again, it was the people along the journey. Um, That, to me, physically, that was even harder than leeds liu Canal because of the weight of the vessel, and it wasn't designed for waterproofness and buoyancy. It was just stylish and funny, but it was uh, very heavy, and, and I knew Athena would be too little to paddle that. So actually, she she enjoyed walking on the side of the canal with uh, my support crew and the dog more than she did paddling. And it's it's what she did after a couple of hours every morning. She would give her her best shot and then she would say, right, mom, you're on your own, but I will be cheering for you from the canal oh. <laughs> side. Um, and then people would stop by and they would ask me, how do you take your tea? And they would meet me later on and they will throw chocolates and biscuits on the vessel. And and, and bring me tea, and inquire about the journey. And I think that the most uh, wonderful memory from that among many, many incredible moments was one morning when a man with a walking stick came and while we were getting ready to get on the raft, he, he said to Athena, would you like to come and see my unicorn? Oh. <laughs> and, and I thought that's the strangest thing. Uh, and and I, I, I asked more about it. It turns out he was a farmer and very close to the canal. He had lots of goats, but one of the little goats was born with only one horn and he called it his little unicorn. So Uh that that morning, he invited us around to feed the goats and to help him get the eggs from the ducks. And he said, here's some eggs for your journey. And he gave us a couple of duck eggs to take with us. And I remember Athena's face litting up when she saw the little unicorn because she really believed it was a unicorn. (laughs) And it was amazing. I mean, His comments sounds like
0: something that you would warn your children not to uh, not to go anywhere near that man as soon as he said that so um uh that's um <laughs> wonderful that's another
1: life lesson that that yeah. you should always use your gut instinct i i do encourage athena to not be naive to think that everybody's a nice place and the world is extremely safe and nothing can go wrong there there are things that can go wrong and there are bad people but you know, you have to use your common sense, but your gut instinct as well. And yeah, like if if you put the two together, and, and you're more positive than negative, I think you give people a better chance to actually show you that they're very nice.
0: Mm, absolutely well that, um okay so gosh where do you even go from
1: there um have you have well you done so, sorry more... I, I forgot to mention mm. doing that bit um uh, we also collected a lot of plastic because i thought well if athena doesn't really want to paddle but she wants to be part of it and enjoy all the good bits i gave her a net and i said well what you could do is you can fish the plastic that we've find along the way on the canal and, and make sure that at least we leave a cleaner canal around us. And it was a lesson there about environmental pollution and that we can all help, even if it's not your rubbish and it's not the plastic that mm-hmm. you threw in. You know, you can pick it up because you saw it. And she was very happy to do that. As long as you make it fun for them, then they want to be part of it. So I gave her a nice fishing rod and I said, so your job will be to be fishing out plastic. And what we did is we had a massive net behind us and we would throw it in just to highlight to people passing by how much plastic there is. And I would say to them, this is the stuff Athena fished out in just one day or in two days. It, It became almost bigger than the... The raft itself. And and so it's important that when you do things in life, you try to to cause some positive impact. Yes, it's important to have fun, to build happy family memories, um, but there has to be something a little more profound and we need to take a little responsibility for the world around us Mm. to at least leave it better. Um, and I think the project, the whole raft project, uh, ended up a finalist at the University of Lee Sustainability Awards because of the impact we were trying to leave in the environment. So that that was very nice to, yeah. to be. Uh, I think invited, and it was very nice for me to see that my daughter's at the university invited as a guest to see that she has created positive impact for the society.
0: Oh that, yeah that's that's really wonderful and you're absolutely right um you know um us us giving back makes makes it so much of a deeper experience something that you can really um feel and see the impact of so much more than just creating some memories or whatever it is you know um appreciating the surroundings um Okay, so where do Adi and Athena go next? Um, what what have you done since then? And what other plans have and adventures have you got?
1: Well, it's an interesting one because um, I have a very good example of when things go wrong or if they don't go the way you want them to go, not necessarily wrong. Um, so last summer we decided we were going to go for Pirates of the Canals number three Uh and and it was a very ambitious plan because it was going to be 320 miles um and we are going to do that in four weeks um we were going to use a brand new controversial vessel called a coracle uh for those of you who don't know what a coracle is it's basically like a (laughs) like a round shaped vessel that if you try to put on left and right it will send you spinning in circles there's a special technique and, and don't that. they use
0: it in, I'm trying to think where I've seen one, in India or somewhere
1: like that? In, in India and in Wales as well for fishing. Um, it's uh, you, you can make a coraco in one afternoon. That's how solid they are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like a little woven basket with a fabric on top of it, with a thin fabric. And you have to get in very carefully because it's very easy to just step in it and and fall in the water once you fall in you there's no human way of getting in it again (laughs) and you have to exit the water um so I thought that disastrous little vessel sounds perfect for my next adventure Mm. um I said to Tina obviously the coraco is very little There's no room for two of us and the equipment to wild camp along the way. What would you like to do when I told her the plan? She said, oh, I would love to cycle across the canal because I can go fast and I can wave. I said, no, that's that's great. So she was in charge of, of little pooch and cycling on the side while I was going to paddle the coracle. That's ridiculously slow. And yeah, not not made for speed or covering distances. Um, It turns out I I hadn't thought the plan through carefully because I had absolutely underestimated the power of uh, having water on the canal. That's an essential part. But also... Of the support crew. So in the previous adventures, I did have friends as support crew. And and I appreciate their time and their efforts and everything they've done. And without them, I've always maintained that it wouldn't be possible for us to do what we had said we were going to do. Uh, But this year, I thought because of the distance, um, 320 miles, I thought, I can't ask someone to come and support me for four weeks. That's an awful long time and a huge distance. So I thought, it's fine. I I will carry all the equipment and, and yeah, all Athena has to do is just cycle. I'm a superwoman. I'll do it. But it totally backfired. It backfired because it was really heavy to carry the stuff. Uh, And it turns out when I reached the canal, the water was so low, it wasn't even... And reaching my knees uh, I could walk in the canal which I did I put everything in the coraco and I was pulling it I was towing it across the canal which is ridiculous oh, but nice. it was the summer when there was a lot of, of um, dryness and there wasn't enough water in the canals yeah. so I should have seen that coming um, and I insisted for many hours to just keep going pulling it and I almost tore the fabric from underneath because it was touching the, the ground and then I thought right moving on to plan b I shall carry the coracle on my shoulders oh my and God. all the gear in my hands and I shall walk. <laughs> and I think that that was the worst idea I've ever had. Um, it goes to show how stubborn and determined you can be when, when you really believe your own dreams. But there's a point where you just have to say to yourself enough is enough. Um, And and I persisted for a few hours. Uh, Athena was looking at me, rolling her eyes. and, and, (laughs) And it was the point where I thought, neither of us is going to enjoy this. There's no way we can cover the distance like this. My hands were aching. I was hating it. And we sat at a bench. And it was amazing because it was at that moment where I realized I rely on Athena and for her for her clean mind and, and her ability to actually, in moments of crisis, she's such a rock, she's such a solid person, she's a true adventurer, she has a very clear mind, and she sat down and she says to me, mommy, we can't do this, if you want, we can leave the things and we can walk, she says, but we can't do this like that. And, and I, when it's your own child telling you, you sit down and you listen. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, she's the only human out there I would listen and I would go, yes, please, or no, thank you. And I thought, you make perfect sense, I know, but I needed to hear it from her. Mm. And I realized then and that if Athena's not enjoying it, the, there's no point of me doing this, you know, like your child's happiness is paramount. To, to, to doing things together. If one of you is not enjoying it, that's it. But reality be said, I think I hated it more than she did. <laughs> and so- And I was relieved when she said that. Yes. I, I was so relieved. I was like, okay, I think like, if that's what you want, let's just stop, let's not do it. And what we did instead, we, we decided that we're calling it a day. It's okay. This time, it's just not going to happen. And it's fine. It's not going to happen the way we wanted it to happen. And we could negotiate and maybe walk the distance, but that's not what we wanted to do. Mm. And and so my lesson to her and to myself, because I'm still learning every day with her and from her, is that, it's okay to try something and, and not do it. You don't lose face. You shouldn't be ashamed. Mm. I I should be ever so ashamed if I stayed at home and I decided I, I don't want to do anything with my life. And I, that's what one should be ashamed of, but not for trialing and, and not doing what they wanted to do. So I, I said to her, what do you want to do? And she said, let's go to an Island. So we went to Scotland to the Hebrides, and we had an amazing time instead. But, I always use in my talks uh, cuz I give quite a few talk- talks at the university about well-being and adventuring and I always like to highlight the mistakes I've made and the lessons I've learned along the way cuz actually those are the things that that teach you and mold you to who you are and and it's all those lessons so actually pirates of the canals 3 it really didn't materialize and it didn't go at all as it should and people said oh maybe you should have tried next day but it wasn't going to be what we wanted to do, so that we don't need to keep trying and trying if we feel that it's not meeting our expectations.
0: Yes, and you're absolutely right. That is one of the most powerful lessons that a sport or adventuring or anything can teach us: is that life isn't perfect and it doesn't work out the way that you think or hope it's going to, because well, that's just life. You know, you can't control mm. so many things um and and getting it's, it's such an amazing that's what i always think is such uh, something that kids um uh, if they don't play sport or aren't encouraged to continue playing sport um if they sort of lose interest or something that they are really going to miss out on those opportunities to learn um how to fail and how to deal with um not things not working out or how to deal with somebody beating you or how to deal with um um something uncontrollable happening or or something like that you know those things are amazing lessons that that are are brilliant for all of us and you if you don't put yourself out there to do to 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 attempt to learn those lessons then then you're not going to get them right
1: absolutely I, I agree with all of that and and i think when people Ask me why I do what I do with Athena. It's it's because this is my classroom education. This is my parenting. I, I don't believe in, in people telling you what to do, how to live your life, what you should and you shouldn't do. And therefore, I would be a hypocrite if I was the one telling my daughter what to do and how to do it. I, I create opportunities and, and an environment where Athena can try different things, but but be safe because she's, she's with me. And, and she draws the line of how much she wants to do, what she wants to do, what she's happy with, what she will not negotiate on. Um, and, and those are the skills that you take on in life later on. Uh, and, and with all that comes an education that you wouldn't necessarily get in school uh, and unless you go outside and you do all that. But but more than that, people say to me, you do realize that when Athena is older, she's going to disappear in South Africa and become an explorer, right? <laughs> and I always say that, you know, if that's what she wants to do, uh, that's her choice. I, I want to think that I gave her opportunities to grow and to realize her own value and mm. to realize that she makes up her own rules of how she wants to live her life. But what I do want is for her to come back and tell me, If my legs no longer take me there, of what she saw, what she learned, the people Mm. she met, that's our only deal that she'll have to tell me about it afterwards. (laughs) But you can't, you cannot not do that with your children because, in a way, that's the education I had and, and what I've returned to after all these years. I now crave the outdoors and the adventures more than I did as a child. And, and it's because I'm a parent and I realize how important it is to thin and I and to, to our well-being. So it will never stop when people say, is there gonna be more of it? I said, yes, because this is a lifestyle choice. It's the life we created for ourselves mm-hmm. and we know why we do it. So it's as natural as drinking water and going to sleep. You you crave to be outside and to spend some time together doing things. And you always push yourself that bit more thinking, right, what can I come up with now that's funnier, crazier? or that's uh, a little more challenging than before. Um, I haven't got a clear plan of what we're going to do next summer. Uh, Obviously, it's going to be a water-based paddling adventure of some sort. But um, usually, these things click closer to the time because there's some kind of panic mode going on of, oh my god, there's going to be the holidays, and we've got some time together, and, and we need to do something together to remember. Um, and, uh, so something to do with
0: paddle sport, and you, um, you are one of the female paddling ambassadors for... Uh, British canoeing is that right so yeah, it's crazy isn't it <laughs> so, uh, for somebody who didn't paddle before they paddled the length of a canal yes that is crazy and and so what does that mean to you I mean you've talked about you know what you're what you're wanting to encourage in Athena and it's coming from showing rather than telling her and things so so is that part of your ambassadorship as well
1: I, I think uh, my commitment to to the world because the world has actually been a very nice place to me, and all these wonderful strangers always uh you know embrace me into their lives and I thought right i I need to give back uh Whenever the opportunity comes, so I, I saw the opportunity for this, and and people have been telling me all along in the in recent years about they never really gave paddling much uh, much thinking because they think it's an expensive sport, or that you need a lot of gear, or that you need to be very technical and very competent, or perhaps Olympic style level um and and I receive quite a few letters and emails from people telling me that they would like to give paddling a go and and they would like to perhaps do things like the blow-up boat with their children because they realize they have a blow-up boat and they've never used it and they felt inspired and I always highlight that it's not a sport that you have to be very rich or a professional because I'm the living proof that you know you can just start tomorrow and all you have to do is find a nearby canal and and jump in, practice a little, and get out. It really is as simple as that. Just make it fun for your children. Uh, Or or there's quite a few women that want to get in the sport and they just don't know how to. Um, So someone commented that I was a a relatable ambassador because um, people see me as a normal person, not a professional athlete. Mm. And the reality is if I can do it, then probably everyone else can too. Uh, and and I thought, well, that would be amazing because then as an ambassador, it means I have the power to inspire more people to try out the sport and, and get that happy doses of, of being near water and paddling that otherwise they wouldn't have known. So in that group of 10 females representing the sport... There's some amazing athletes. I, I, I wouldn't even dream doing half of what they do. Uh, they're exceptional women. Uh, and and then there's there's me. And I think they've picked me because I'm the most normal, average person, uh, maybe like Eddie the Eagle a little bit. <laughs> <They think laughs> the public will probably relate to what Addie does. Uh, so, so it's wonderful to be part of that community. And, and I hope that the adventures that Athena and I do together do encourage other people to see it really is very simple and what you will get back in return in terms of happiness is definitely worth trying it out um and
0: and since then like and also for yourself you've done a whole host of ultra runs and triathlons and winter cycling and um <laughs> I'm sort of like going through it fell running and things like that so so you know you don't only do these adventures with Athena or your sort of challenges with Athena do you You're, you also do quite a lot by yourself
1: yes uh so I um as, as a single mom uh, and a working mom I have very little time left so the weekends that Athena is with her dad I always try to do extreme endurance uh, in in the shape of anything that I like to do there's not one sport that I like mm-hmm. um, there's many sports I like um, usually very individual sports so um, you will often see me in the fells running in shorts in the heart of winter with snow <laughs> or climbing in the Yorkshire Dells with my road bike or my mountain bike. Uh, it's, it's, it, the weekends I spend uh, training outside and creating outdoor adventures for myself. I, I like exploring solo. And then when Athena is with me, she's probably the only person I've, I I would go out to explore with. Uh, we, we try to do things together if, if Athena's out for it. And then there's actually weekends that we don't do anything, that we just relax at home because people think that we do something every weekend and yeah. we don't. Uh, we we do know how to just chill on the sofa sometimes, uh, but I I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but I I do love endurance sports. Is is how I discover the world and how how I grow. And I I'm one of them people that I like to push my limits to see can I just do a little bit more. So it it, it almost becomes um, an obsession if you like. Uh, like I I run 10k. Five years ago, I think, or six years ago, was the first time I ever ran. And I ran in a race, uh, I ran 10K. And then the next month or so, I decided I was going to run half marathon. And that same week, a friend says, Well, do you want to take my place because I'm injured? So I ran two half marathons. Oh, the wow. first one's and I thought wow I'm still feeling very energetic Uh, and then that summer I thought oh I'm going to run my first marathon so I picked a trail marathon in Snowdonia and and that left me really happy but again I thought wow I'm still not tired I think I can do something bigger And, and so it escalated from there every time me trying to find can I go a little bit further and further until a couple of years ago I ran 100k and that's definitely where my limits lay because I hated, <laughs> I hated the last thirty k, and in fact, it put me off running for a couple of years. I thought I'm oh, never man. again going to run, and here's a lesson to be learned: that um, sometimes, you know, uh, you do find your limits and. That's fine. Uh, I, I know that my limits definitely are at, at 100K and, and a lot. I think my happy place would be maybe 50 or 60 kilometers. Um, but I needed to know for myself. Uh, and that's the only spot where I've actually found my limits because I've not yet found them with swimming or with cycling. Um, in December this year, I did the North Coast 500, which is 512 miles in six days because it was very cold so I had to cycle a lot more than I thought just to stay warm but when I finished I was so happy and so full of adrenaline I don't necessarily think that that was my limit it was just the end of the route so I I think now it's time to try a a bigger route and see where the limits lie with mountain biking and cycling Um, but there's always something (laughs)
0: <laughs> there's always something. Yes, exactly. And and I suppose in a way, uh, you know, there's been a huge explosion of the amount of adventurous challenges and um, uh, like off-road, wild camping type of things that you can do now, those sorts of events. There, there's an awful lot of them. So for people... who feel similarly to you that you're kind of like I don't really fancy doing a road marathon or I want to do something more adventurous you know something like the North Coast 500 you're cycling it solo you're carrying all your kit you're wild camping along the way I mean that's that just ticks so many boxes for you and it's in the middle of winter <laughs> so it's as tough as yeah. it possibly could be um and that's that's not even the only event that there is there's loads and loads and loads of those sorts of things aren't there so so you could be busy doing lots of uh, fun and interesting and exciting adventures and challenges for years to come
1: absolutely and the thing is um there's it, it's important to highlight that it's it's not cheap to do all these things mm. um one one of the um challenges is is the cost It's the cost because even little things like driving up to scotland and and driving back again um you, you know it adds to the petrol and mm. and 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 then thinking oh well i need better gear to survive the scottish winter because i decided to wild camp along the way uh mm. so you need have a better sleeping bag and and everything that goes with it to sleep in the heart of winter outside so the cost is something that one has to consider but that said I think when you hang out with similar minded people, outdoorsy people, the chances are they probably have a sleeping bag to lend you and they probably have panniers to lend you for your bike. Um, So I have been very lucky to ask because you need to ask. There's no shame in asking and saying to someone, could you lend me this because I want to do that? And, and that has been a great advantage to me doing these adventures and also the fact that I create my own adventures so I don't have to pay ridiculous entry fees because sometimes it is very expensive. Mm-hmm. I understand where the cost lies because uh, there needs to be, you know, the, the people that are behind it and, and, and their time and all the work that goes with organising a race. The safety which is and
0: the volu- safety and the
1: people that help, you
0: know, put the aid stations and all the rest well, of it yeah yeah absolutely.
1: there is a cost associated so i totally understand mm. but it also, but but it means that i can afford to do as many races as i would like to because of the cost mm. so i very carefully select maybe one race a year I've, I've come to a conclusion that i could you know splash the cash on one race And then create my own adventures. That means that I save on the entry fee. And that if I do a lot of the same, for example, wild camping, I can reuse the equipment that I bought and justify the, the cost. So... Um, I I would certainly encourage people to give things a try by borrowing equipment from friends. And if they haven't got friends, to perhaps buy secondhand gear online. I I have lots of things from secondhand, which has um, changed my life because it allowed me to do things that before I wouldn't be able to. Uh, But more importantly, I think it's the obstacles that that we put in our head and, and the issues that we see of things that will probably never materialize that stop us from doing things and and if you can overcome those obstacles and and get comfortable with maybe creating a little adventure maybe not go for the North Coast 500 for a week but maybe do something near you for a night and include a wild camping session for one evening just to see what it's like it's it's, it's a starting point because everybody starts from somewhere
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah um and and actually you've reminded me that there's the there's a company called the yes tribe and they do uh they do little like one night wild camping adventures where you sort of just get a train out from london to go Mm -hmm. somewhere go for um i think either a hike or a cycle wild camp and then get back into town and that's it and and it just gives you that sort of momentary total step out of your of your life really experience it so that you know that there's something that you think oh there really is something that I'm really (laughs) driven by that I want to go and explore a little bit more now I can now I know I want to go and
1: do it so um yeah Amazing! I, it's incredible. People underestimate how much happiness and, and well being you can get from just two or three hours outside, cycling, yeah. uh, walking, doing something that's not um, in civilization or or at home. Um, those the, just one day adventuring is it, it makes you feel a brand new person yeah yeah, that's exactly that's exactly it um okay
0: Addy so last couple of questions um um who or what and I think I probably know the answer to this but who or what
1: inspires you <laughs> uh obviously I actively um search for role models all the time it's like my antenna is up and I'm thinking right I need to find even more people to surround myself with who will inspire me and become part of our life um, but yeah the permanent people um, some are, are no longer around uh, they're dead but you know you still hold them in your memory and your mm-hmm. heart so my, my grandma was definitely one of them uh, she was um, a good hardworking woman very independent, very confident. Uh, she was a Red Cross volunteer. Uh, she had very good values. And and so, um, and I remember she always said to me that if you learn how to live with beyond your means, uh, you will never go hungry. And she was one of them that endured war. So she knew how to save on electricity, mm-hmm. on water. She would always say, you know, make sure you switch off the lights uh, sweets and, and treats were only given to us as children on a Sunday. Mm. She actually rationed black chocolate. She would give us a couple of squares. Uh, and I still do that with Athena. I still hold Sunday as as treat day. Uh, it's supposed to be a treat. You, you need to appreciate food and the value of food and, and why you're having a treat on a Sunday. You just can't have it every day after school. Um, so she instilled a lot of of values in me, and she was a volunteer. So she, I suppose, she was the first person that taught me about the world around us and the people around us, and the act of giving, and feeling the, the need to to be of contribution to society, to be a useful member. Um, and just like her, my godmother, who's Spanish, um, she 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 was exactly the same, um, and and so. Uh, them too, I would say, are, are key female role models mm-hmm. in my life. Um, I, Athena, I mean, Athena goes, you know, above anything I can say. Uh, <laughs> talking about her makes me smile. Uh, sh- when people say that your children make you a better person, it's true. It's not a taboo. It's not a stereotypical phrase. You, you want. To leave a legacy behind, and that's your children. You want to teach them everything you know by example, and and you want them to take it to the next level and and do something incredible with it, something that you can't even conceive. Um, they, they they yeah, I think I I don't know how to put it in words. She's definitely you know who who makes me want to be around, and, and I've promised her I'll be around until at least 100 years old, because that's <laughs> what she wants to do. Um, but, yeah, she's uh, she's the centre of my universe. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think then there's all these other amazing people out there. Every now and again I'll I'll, I'll go through an article or I flick a book or I, or I come across a biography of, of extraordinary people that have done incredible things in history or that they're still doing amazing things today and some of them uh, are very famous and top athletes or inspirational speakers or um i, I don't know environmentalists uh, and through the university I'm, I'm very lucky to to hear from these people and see their work and see what they do uh, or what they hope to do and to achieve and and that is inspiration uh, yeah. you- yeah, and they they shape you into wanting to do something even at a smaller scale. And, of course, I think the best example of those people that really inspire me are people like um, Marina. Marina was an 84-year-old lady that I met on the North Coast, 500, in December. And uh, I only knocked on her door to ask for a little bit of water and to thank her for allowing me to camp on her patch of land that night, even though she didn't know it, (laughs) (laughs) and to assure her that I had taken all my rubbish with me. And that lady opened her door and her heart to me with a big smile, and she said to me, well, I thought you were very brave camping out in my garden this time of year. She says, would you like to come in for a cup of tea? Which I happily accepted. And it led to her serving me uh, lots of cake and cupcakes. Um, oh. Then she brought in the family albums, <laughs> and and she showed me everyone in her family and told me lots of stories about them. She went on to explain to me about how life in rural highlands is, and 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 how her childhood had was incredible. I, she was just an extraordinary woman. And, and then she disappeared and she returned with a couple of kilts to show me the traditional kilts in the family. And, and then she offered me a kilt and she said, obviously, a hardy woman like myself uh, had earned my spot in the Scottish society and that I was now part of the Sutherland clan. <laughs> and she gave me a kilt to take with me. <laughs> um, and I couldn't believe it. I, I'm not usually one to be lost for words, but nothing I could say could sum up how touched I was by the generosity of her soul for sharing her stories and who she is, for her sharpness. She she was a sharp cookie. She remembered everything, uh, and, and she was an incredible storyteller as well. And, and meeting her really touched me. I, I was asking her, what does she eat for breakfast? You know, how can I live that long and be as incredible as <laughs> she is? I was asking her for life tips. Um, and and I promised that I was going to return with Athena because um, – What's amazing about these solar journeys is that I have so many stories to tell Athena and every time something amazing happens, I always think I can't wait to tell Athena who I've met and what happened. And, and Athena said she wanted to meet her. So I've got her phone number because we're very good friends now. And I called her and I said to her that I, I was going to return with Athena so she could meet her in person. And, and mm-hmm. so answering your question who my heroes are, I, I hope it, it sums up that there's just so many incredible people out there. Mm. Heroes are not just your family and the inspirational people out there in the shape of, of athletes, celebrities and all that. Mm. It could actually be those unknown people that you knock on their doors and, and they let you in their homes and their lives, and then your life is never the same again.
0: No, yeah, exactly, uh, and and it sounds like you've met some amazing people, but you're absolutely right, The the just because a celebrity-type person or somebody who is, you know, uh, stereotypically famous is uh, sort of held up to be a hero, it doesn't mean they're the only ones. There are people who do incredibly uh, inspiring things just by living their day-to-day life in a very true and honest and authentic way. And, and that's something inspiring for, for all of us, isn't it? Mm, it is. Um, and what do you hope to inspire in other people then, Adi? Uh,
1: that's, um, I, I think that's a big, big question because uh, with it comes the responsibility to live your life well and be an example. Um, I, I suppose I can only live my life life in a way satisfies me and and my own um, values um, but I hope the world realizes that you you don't have to move mountains and and do crazy things or incredibly physical big things you know to be someone and to make your life meaningful I, I hope they realize that you know uh, being a good parent is, is going to lead to everything else. If you want to to be a good person to inspire your child, uh, in the process you might end up inspiring a lot more other children and families. Um, I, I would like to think that the the happy stories that Athena and I create for ourselves that that have somehow had an impact on other families and that. Are- other people were happy because they felt a little bit inspired and they did something about it um, but l- I highlight that you don't have to do big things to to think that uh, it was worth it uh, a collection of little things regularly makes a big difference and and we have to be happy we have a duty to be happy for ourselves and for those around us uh, so chances are if you do something that you like you will be happy and therefore you're spreading that happiness uh, and it's not a selfish thing. So, so I hope we leave a happier place behind us, and that what we do causes a positive impact to others as well. That yeah. that would be nice to to know.
0: Well, I definitely, uh, I definitely think you um, are, are sort of managing that for sure. I mean, just talking to you, I've had a good smile on my face the whole time. It's made me feel full of joy and thinking, God, what can I go and take the kids along too. I should ask them what adventures they might want to do with us rather than just us thinking that they're not, uh, you know, that they're not capable of it or or that uh, they're not ready for an adventure or something like that, you know, I, like involve them in it a little bit more. So, so, so I'm, I'm absolutely sure that you, uh, that, that that's the same for other people that, that they realize that there's so much more and, and like you said, happiness and connection with, um, with strangers is, is a wonderful thing. So thank you, Adi. That was uh, a, a really brilliant hour of lovely inspiration and adventure. And while I'm sitting here looking outside the window at the horrible pouring rain, um, it's definitely making me think of, of doing things in spite of the weather rather than uh, just waiting for, waiting for the better days. <laughs>
1: You know, in this country, I've always argued that if you were waiting for blue skies and sunshine, then none of us will go out and do anything. You have to embrace the elements.
0: Yeah, you absolutely do. That's right. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much, Adi. It's really wonderful to speak to you today.
1: Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. It's, uh, it's great to be able to share our story. Um, absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much yeah yeah exactly
0: story is what it's all about all right you have a great day bye you too thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast i hope you found the content interesting and worthwhile can i now ask you to pick up your phone and go to your podcast platform or open up itunes on your computer and rate and review this episode You can review as many episodes as you like, so even if you've done it before, it doesn't matter. I make these podcasts because I feel it's a necessary conversation to be put out there. I take the time to choose a variety of interesting guests, and I want to reach as many women as possible. However, I do it all for free at the moment. To keep on reaching more listeners, I would love to eventually get a sponsor, and that requires ratings and listener numbers. So please help me to make this podcast grow more by taking the time to let me know what you think now. Thank you and I look forward to you joining us next week.